Good morning. Let's stand up and sing together. Let's stand up and sing together. This week, we're going to do, of course, something a little different. Um, we'll sing some gospel-y songs this week. Let's start out with Shirley the Presence. Let's sing that together. here this morning. We're glad that you chose to worship with us here at Memorial this morning. Let's sing another fun one, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, with a little bit of sweet by and by in there too. Let me at that time. 
shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet Talking Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. My Lord, others now are calling, do not pass me back. While on others now are calling, do not pass me Thank you. Um, this week and last week, um, our, our keyboard player, Ann, has been out of town, and we have been very blessed and lucky to have um, Penny Holt playing for us. And this morning, she's going to keep on plugging along, and we are very excited to have her here with us. Let's sing Blessed Assurance. This is 
see everybody for this Gospel Sunday. Um, we invite the children to come forward now to join us for a few moments. We invite you to turn and greet your neighbors. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm glad you're here. I got something very important to talk to you about today, okay? Do you know what responsibility means? That's a big word, isn't it? There's lots of things that we have to be responsible for. And there's lots of things that your moms and your dads and all the people of the church have to be responsible for. Okay? Did you know that it is the responsibility? That means that, they ha that it's very important that all the people of this church teach you guys about this. What book is this? Does anybody know? This big one. You're right, Hudson. It's the Bible. This big book is the Bible. But you know what? This is my Bible. This is my grown-up Bible. And when I open it up, it doesn't really have any pictures or any words. I mean, lots and lots and lots of little words, but no pictures, right? So it might be hard for you guys to understand this big grown-up Bible. But you know what? They make little Bibles just for you. Does anybody have a Bible at their house? You do? Yeah, does anybody else have a Bible at their house? Yeah? You do? Okay, Caroline's got a couple of little Bibles. And this one, yeah, a princess dress too. This, you, there's a bunch of princesses this morning. This Bible right here, sometimes if we can't read our big, the big Bible, we can use a picture Bible. And this Bible right here is, um, was Caroline's, one of Caroline's first Bibles. And it's got lots of pictures that help it tell stories about all the different kind of amazing stories that are in the Bible. And then once she got to be a better listener and she could sit for a little bit longer, we got a bigger one for her. And this one still has lots of pictures, but it has more words. Okay? So you guys can have Bibles at your house too. And remember that it's our responsibility, all the adults in this church. Oh, we'll get you some. You have books. Okay, I bet you have some Bible stories in some of your books, don't you? It's our responsibility, though, as a church to teach you guys all these Bible stories, okay? So we're going to try our best and do a good job, okay? All right, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for this day, and thank you for all of the people in the church that are going to help us on our Christian walk and help us teach the, us the Bible and all of the amazing stories in the Bible. Amen. Everybody, everybody calling mommy at once. We're mommy. <laughs> A lot of folks answering to that name right now. Well, everybody enjoy the little storm we had last night. Uh, all of you with chainsaws are invited to the uh, parsonage for a tree cutting ceremony later today. Uh, a huge pecan tree fell across the front yard and is up on the house a little bit. We'll get it down in a few days, but it, my neighbor said lightning got it and knocked it over. And so, uh, I don't know, a cloud must have thought that was the Baptist preacher, you know. And <laughs> <clears throat> Anyhow, these things do happen. A couple of announcements. Um, 
Well, let me do this first. Let me give you an opportunity to be writing down your prayer concerns. Uh, if you have a concern you'd like to share with us this morning, we can join you in prayer. We invite you to lift your hands and we will pass you a prayer card and invite you to write something there. And uh, I will share that concern. And your brothers and sisters in Christ will join you in praying for that concern. We also invite you to um, register your attendance. And if you want to, over at the side where there's a place for comments, if you would like to put down your email address, we would be very happy to have that and put you on um, an email contact list. Uh, one of the things that happens sometimes, and it seems to happen um, more even for people that have been here a long time, is there's a, there's a death and a funeral planned, and some folks don't know about that until too late. So we want to try to be able to get some word out to you a little quicker. So uh, if you would not mind giving us your email address, you're welcome to do that, and we will uh, contact you only for, you know, very, very important things like that. Uh, let's see, what else? Men's Bible study will be beginning on the 13th of, uh, of August at 6.30 p.m., and the location has been decided upon for the first gathering anyway, and that is the social hall, which is the next building over. Um, and we invite you to come, men, for uh, Bible study connected with the men's club fellowship. But you don't have to be a member of the men's club, but uh, just come. And Kevin will be leading that. Kevin Dunkel will be leading that uh, Bible study. Today, the Jameson family invites you to be around to help celebrate Joan's 75th birthday. Uh, lunch is planned after the uh, 11 o'clock service. It will be again over in the social hall and uh, we invite you to be there. Um, trying to think, Joan, well, John said to say that Joan has been in the choir for longer than 75 years so he doesn't know how she's just 75 years old. But anyway, that's John. <laughs> if you are a first-time visitor with us today, we invite you to uh, look in the back for a, a mug, a coffee cup, uh, along with some information in it that, that tells about the um, activities here at the church and the ministry of the church. You're invited to take one of those with you. Um, this has been provided through the generosity of one of our 9 o'clock worshipers. Um, and we invite you, if you'd like to have one of those lovely cups and you're not a first-time visitor, uh, you can also have one for a slight fee. <laughs> uh, I think he said uh, about 10 bucks, so he can keep buying more. So uh, that will be a, a help to us. We thank you for that. Other announcements? Do we have others to share? Uh, Andy is back from his week-long mission trip with some of our youth. Several, Emily was there and others. Any other youth that were at the mission trip this week? Raise your hand. Oh, you are alive still. Wonderful. And it was, I'm sure, a wonderful time. And Andy didn't come back with the top of his head too bad burnt. So that's, that was good for him. We'll be hearing about that trip and other things in a few weeks, right? You're going to share something with us later. Fifth Sunday. Fifth Sunday. Okay, good. Excellent. Youth will be meeting as usual tonight um, and on Wednesday night as well. If you're ready to um, uh, pass in your 
um, prayer cards. We invite you to lift them up and our ushers will gather them up. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful way you work in our midst and on our behalf. We're grateful for the rain which has come our way in recent days. We're thankful for safety during difficult times and storms. And we pray your blessings upon those who have suffered any, any kind of loss during this time that we might be of assistance to them and to help them. We're thankful, Lord, that though we don't feel we have much to offer, when we put things that we have in your hands and make those things available to you, you use us and use our gifts in some wonderful, miraculous ways. And for this, we're thankful. Here are our special prayers for today. We pray for a beloved aunt who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. We pray for teachers and students as they return to school over the next few weeks. We pray for our troops in harm's way, their loved ones and families. We pray for Jason and Sue and your, ask your blessings upon them and their new marriage. We give you thanks for the beautiful rain we pray for mom's failing health, for a job change, and we pray for our growing children's ministries. We give you thanks for a safe mission trip for our youth. These are our prayers through the, through, uh, and we pray in the name of Jesus and through his name we pray as he taught us to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Greg, I'm going to lower this just a tad. feel like I was getting cross-eyed looking at it. I am cross-eyed, thank you. Our scripture lesson is Matthew chapter 14. Ooh, I hope you can read that. Um, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns, and when Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd, had compassion on them, and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. 
and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the, broke the loaves. Then he gave them, the, to, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Here ends the lesson. The 5K buffet, that's a good southern word, isn't it, buffet? 17th century author William Cosgrave is given credit for the often quoted phrase, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, unless it's a lightning storm, that has a lot of fury. King Herod didn't take kindly to John the baptizer's criticism of his illicit love affair with his brother's wife, Herodias. And as a result, he had John thrown into prison. But it was Herodias who plotted against her own husband to trick him into having to get John executed or else he would be guilty of breaking a promise. The news of John's death really hit Jesus very hard. Here we get a glimpse at the very human Christ because when he heard this news, he withdrew from the crowd and went off for a time of prayer. He might have been rightfully frightened by this news. If Herod would execute somebody as popular as John, what would he do for one who was lesser known at that time, Jesus? As someone has written, the shadow of the cross was creeping across Jesus' path. But Jesus didn't get the solitude that he so desperately needed because there was a crowd of people that came looking for him. Someone knew where Jesus and the disciples were headed by boat and told everybody else, and so everybody traveled on foot to the place where Jesus was going. It was his love for the people that overcame all the emotions that he was feeling in those moments, fatigue, fear, and sorrow. And Jesus greeted the people with love and he healed their illnesses of body, soul, and spirit. It was a huge crowd that found Jesus that day. There were, we are told, 5,000 men plus women and children. Since it was very common in that day to use numbers symbolically more often than literally, like we would say, oh, millions and millions of people, we really don't know an exact figure of those that were there that day, but it was a huge crowd of people, too big to account for accurately. As shadows lengthened and the day began to turn to night, the disciples were thrown into a mild panic. Here's this huge crowd of people, and there was nobody there running concession stands that day. Uh, nobody was there. Jane wasn't there making refreshments in the back. Um, there was no food for them. One of the disciples said, Lord, you better send these folks away. Send them back down to the villages where they can find some food for themselves. A hungry crowd can very easily turn into an angry mob. 
Maybe it was the fact that the disciples felt a bit like we do when someone shows up at our house at supper time and we say, well, let's go out and get something to eat or maybe you're lucky and have something you can share. But often we feel like the disciples felt that day. Lord, just send them away. Send them away. Have you ever felt like the disciples did as you've looked out on the host of problems facing the church and the human family and our country in these days? A tsunami in the Far East or an earthquake? Uh, hello, an earthquake over in China. I don't know why that didn't work. Um, kills hundreds of thousands of people and makes at least that many more people homeless. We can't even take care of the citizens that we have now. And yet hundreds of aliens, legal and otherwise, are pouring into our country every day. Hey, it worked. There's an illegal alien, Chewbacca. <clears throat> we can't afford fuel for our cars or health care for our families. That's the cost of gas an arm, a leg, and a firstborn. We can't afford these things, and yet the world looks to us for help for everybody. They may claim out there they don't like us, but when something happens, they look to us to lead the way of solving the problems in the human family. Lord, there are just too many problems out there and too many people needing our help. Give us a break. Send them away. Well, Jesus replied to those disciples as he applies to us now by saying, well, they don't need to go anywhere else. You do something about it. You give them something to eat. In saying this, Jesus reminds us that the world is, in fact, our parish, as John Wesley said. In feeding the 5,000, Jesus reminds us that huge tasks require our help and his miraculous power. And in doing this, he used both extraordinary and just plain old ordinary means. His ordinary tactic was just simple organization. The crowd had been just milling about in chaos, sitting in disarray. And so the first thing Jesus did was to get them to sit down orderly in an orderly fashion. In fact, in the versions of this story told in Mark and Luke, Jesus asked them to sit down in such a way and he uses a word that is usually a farming word, meaning get yourself in an orderly row. Or we might say, look like a row of vegetables, y'all. Well, I won't say that to y'all because lots of times when I preach, y'all look like a row of vegetables anyway. <clears throat> so um, the disciples uh, got organized, first of all, very ordinary tactic. Now, some of us have personalities that can really appreciate and like a lot of organization, while others of us don't care much for organization. We'd rather fly by the skin of our teeth, as we say. I am one who prefers to wing it whenever I can. And wouldn't you know it, I am married to someone who makes a list of things to do before she gets out of bed every day. My idea of a relaxing vacation is to have no plans and no structures. Well, guess what? When we go my way, we get nothing done. I get lots of rest, but nothing is done. Penny plans every minute. 
When we went to Disney World with our young children some years ago, she knew where to be at the first moment of the day in order to beat the lines. And our children probably saw more of Disney than, than any other child because she had researched it. Not my way, folks. I'm going to wing it if I can. Those of us who prefer winging it are lucky to have folks who know how to organize well. So one of Jesus' methods of tending to the needs of the world is simple organization. When we organize faithfully, our organizations can become channels through which God flows his blessings to others. But organization by itself can't do the job. There is no way that organization by itself can solve all the world's problems. We need Jesus. And whenever Jesus is around, extraordinary things happen. John's account of this story, oh, there's my row of vegetables. John's account of the story tells us that only food items to be found that day was a few loaves of bread and some fish given by some young child to Jesus. You know, the great thing about children is they don't understand limitations of time and space. So they don't have any problem figuring out how easy it is for Santa Claus to get to every home in the world in one night. That's no big deal. But we adults have trouble understanding things like that. Adults might have kept the loaves and fish to themselves because they realized it's not very much. But children and childlike faith says, Jesus, I don't have that much, but what I've got is all yours. That's the kind of faith Jesus can used, use. Jesus, I don't have much, but what I have is all yours. Jesus took the uh, five loaves of bread and the two fish from the child, and somehow in Jesus' hands, it was enough. Now, I don't begin to understand how Jesus accomplished this miracle, but it is a miracle that I've seen time and time again through my ministry. Some of the best pastors that I have known didn't have that much to give Jesus when he called them. But whatever they did have was given without reservation to the master, and God has helped them gain the skills that they needed to be successful pastors if I told you what little gifts for ministry I had to give Jesus when he called me, you would accuse me of false modesty. But God and I know the truth. His sufficiency has more than compensated for my deficiency. I am still awestruck whenever something I say or do helps somebody else. And I know that it is not me, but Christ who is working in me when that happens. That's the exciting part of being in ministry. Summer reruns are on television, and so we've gotten used to seeing some old stories before we get on to some new ones. So I hope you don't mind me repeating a story that I told three or four years ago before some of y'all came, so that made me want to tell it again because lots of you all were not here. And I never get tired of telling this story. It's a story about a man I knew when I was a pastor 25 years ago in the community of Saluda at Gazaway United Methodist Church. There was a man there named Willie Lee Buffington. That's the way he looked when he was in college. 
when I knew him, he was about 75 and looked like this. Now that's not him, but that's how he looked. I don't have a picture of him as an old man. He was a United Methodist minister retired from the North Georgia Conference, and he had been a professor at Payne College in Augusta. He made me shake in my boots just to look at him. He was a huge man with a very long beard and a walking cane that he didn't mind shaking in your face if he got upset at you about something. And he would utter big words like mendacity, utter mendacity. I had to go home and look that one up. <clears throat> That's foolishness, I think. Uh, I remember a time that he complimented me on the way that I had conducted, of all things, his wife's funeral. I'm not good at getting compliments. I don't know what to say to people when they compliment me. And so I mumbled something inappropriate to Willie Lee about how I was only doing my job. He looked at me, shook that cane in my face, and said, Son, when you just buried a man's wife, don't say you were just doing your job. And I reached out and hugged him, and he wept in my arms as it was a very special moment. Willie Lee was always in the role of teacher with me, and he would sit on the third pew of the church, close his eyes, and listen to every word I said, and every now and then I'd see a big grin on his face, and I knew that I'd messed up on something, and he would straighten me out later. I had been his pastor for several years before I learned his story, a story that was published back in the 60s, and I was utterly amazed at how Jesus fed the 5,000 through this man. When Willie Lee was a, a little boy back during the time of the Great Depression, he was sitting in his yard crying over his squashed mud pie that a big brother or sister had just stepped in. And uh, he was crying about that when suddenly this awesome figure appeared in his yard. He was a black man who was the teacher at the all-black segregated elementary school for, for children. And everybody just called the old fellow Professor Simpkins. He stopped by and saw young Willie Lee crying and he said, Son, stop crying. Be a man. This world needs more men. Well, like the disciples who just dropped their boats and immediately followed Jesus, Willie Lee left his uh, mud pies and walked down the road with this awesome-looking professor. And every day it became their ritual that, that this professor would stop by Willie Lee's house and they would walk down the road together and talk. One day as they were walking, Professor Simpkins told Willie Lee that he didn't have any books at his school. And this really troubled Willie Lee because there were plenty of books for him at his all-white school. He prayed, God, what can I do about this? He reached into his pocket and found a dime, offered the dime to Jesus, went to the post office and bought five two-cent stamps and wrote five letters to the authors of his Sunday school book. His letter simply said, the black children in our community have no books. Good books would help them more than anything else. I want to start a library for them. Could you send a book for it? 
or if you have no books to spare, then please give me a stamp so I can write somebody else. Well, four of those letters ended up in the trash basket, I reckon, but one letter found its way to a Methodist preacher's desk, and the result of that letter was a boxcar full of books arriving in Saluda, South Carolina, from the Methodist Church up in New York City. Now this created a real problem for the community. Where are you going to put all those books? The answer was, in his mind, this little boy's mind was to build a library. And so the Faith Cabin Library was built to house those books. I can take you to the place where that library was located. There's just a small ruins of that cabin there now. But that wasn't the end of the story. The Methodist women heard about this project, and you got trouble if you ever get the Methodist women involved in anything, you know? And they decided to make this one of their national projects. The story of the Faith Cabin Library was published in magazines like Guidepost, the Christian Herald, the Saturday Evening Post, and other publications. And Willie Lee continued building little faith cabin libraries while he finished high school and came up here to Furman and eventually went to seminary up in Pennsylvania. Trade, lo trade lo loads, boxcar loads of books continued to pile into towns throughout the South. And before this work ended, there were 130 faith cabins full of books standing in cotton fields all over Georgia and South Carolina. Black children in the old segregated South were lifted out of the poverty of body, mind, and soul through education, thanks to Willie Lee Buffington. And old Professor Simpkins, when his protege graduated from seminary, he was awarded an honorary degree in recognition of the inspiration that he had provided for young Willie Lee Buffington. And Willie Lee felt a great debt to his mentor and paid that debt by becoming a professor at Payne College, which is a black college founded by the Methodist Church down in Augusta. Can you believe what God and Willie Lee did with one dime? You see, feeding the 5,000 isn't just an isolated event. Jesus still multiplies loaves and fishes whenever we give them to him. He miraculously cares for his children every day. The only tragedy is in this continuing story is that so very often we give him nothing to multiply. And zero times nothing or anything rather is still zero. We have a part in Jesus' ministry and in his miracles. Our part is to give him what we have and who we are. Our prayer should be, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have is all yours. Amen. Invite the ushers to come forward now to uh, receive our morning offering. We would love it if you would sing this with us. The words are going to be on the screen.
as we affirm our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
one we were going to do that way, wasn't it? Okay. <clears throat> now may you go forth in peace and give what you have to the Lord Jesus that he might use it and you to feed the 5,000. Have a great week.